Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Today we have Jennifer Imhoff from the Libertarian Party of Idaho. So welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. We are glad to have you. We are interested in hearing what you have to say about all the exciting things you're doing. So let us get started by you kindly giving us an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Yeah, so I'm currently the chair of the Libertarian Party of Idaho. I'm very happy to say that liberty is alive and well out here in the state. Uh, I've been chair for uh, just almost two years. My term's coming up here quick. And originally, I did come from California. So in California, I was active with the Libertarian Party. I was the chair of Santa Clara County, which the seat of that county is San Jose, and most people know that as the heart of Silicon Valley. It's a large county and uh, had a lot of activity. That's also where I ran for city council, and I came in second, but I also left a good mark on uh, letting people know that the Libertarian Party exists and what we intended to do. Wow, that is good stuff. Good stuff. So what led you to the Libertarian Party in the first place when you were in California? Yeah, you know, growing up, I had uh, one parent who was a a Kennedy Democrat and another parent that was a Reagan Republican. They didn't get along and they never talked politics. And so it was a very interesting way to grow up. And when I became of age, I, you know, was left, you know, understanding the, the pros and cons of both sides. But it wasn't until I was a young adult that I learned there was a third option out there or really any other option. And... I was first exposed to the party through Gary Johnson when he ran for president and got excited. He said all the things that I kind of agreed with, uh, but there wasn't a lot of activity in my area. So that's where I started getting involved saying, hey, how can I help get this message out there and let other people know that there is another option? Uh, From there, I kind of got sucked into the party and they're like, hey, you know, you seem to be passionate about this. Why don't you stick around and help us with these other candidates and different elections? Excellent. Yeah. So you, you mentioned city council running for it and getting second place. That's a good job. So good work. Thanks. So what did you yeah, learn? I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. What did you learn from that experience and what did you find out? Well, um, I definitely learned how uh, complicated politics is. <laughs> so uh, when I decided to run, uh, I was still very new to politics in general, and essentially what happened was I just wanted a dumpster for my neighborhood. We had a lot of rubbish growing in front of people's houses. I figured, hey, you know, can we just organize a dump day for the whole street? This will be great. I'll do the work. Um, unfortunately, you have to have an HOA in order to do that, and to have an HOA, you have to go through the Neighborhood Association. And then to have the neighborhood association, you know, you have to pay fees and funds and you have to organize and it quickly became more complicated than necessary. And as I went through all these loops and, and jumps, you realize that all of this was just elected officials wanting to secure their power and control over especially that low level uh, of the neighborhood. And how they get in front of everybody is saying, oh, well, I'll get that dumpster for you. And so as I started attending these meetings, the more and more I got 
fired up and decided, well, the only way I'm going to change this is if I actually run and get in front of this lady. Um, and that way I can at least, at the very least, get the message out that, hey, you know, there are these, these road hazards in the way of people doing the right thing. Sure. So I, <laughs> so I ran against her, and then it quickly became um, very heated, very complicated, and um, very expensive. <laughs> and um, that's the big lesson I learned is, you know, how many strings are attached to these incumbents and how hard they very deliberately make it for anyone outside of that, that existing power structure to come in and, and challenge that status quo. So how did you raise funds for the race since you're saying it's expensive? Yeah, um, I raised uh, about $2,500, um, which I thought was a, a pretty good substantial amount for a city council race. And all of that was through grassroots. It was all low-level donations. I don't think I got anything over $100. And a lot of that is, is capped by the city. The incumbent I was running against, however, I had a war trust of about $80,000. Oh, my. <laughs> so a lot of that came in in the last minute once they realized that there was a serious um, competition that she needed to, to push against. And so she was very connected to the Democrat Party in California, which is the majority, and was able to pull in you know a lot of favors, a lot of money from corporations, things like Pepsi and... Um, what is it, the the big um, billboard sign companies were all donating to her. Being the incumbent, you know, she made a lot of favors and promises. Uh, and then she was connected with a lot of the Senate and, and legislative elected officials. Interesting. So are the city council positions paid in the area you're running in? Uh, in San Jose, they were paid. Um, you know, it was a it was a decent amount that um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Uh, but it seems like most of them actually make um make a living off being on the committee. So you get you know your little stipend for being on the county, but then you also get a stipend for being on the the transit committee, and another one for being on the neighborhood committee, and you get another one for this committee. So, oh my. so a lot of them tend to do that. And again, this is why they. They make a living off of it, and they don't like newcomers coming in. Sure, sure. So when you're in Idaho now, what are the issues that your party is facing and how you're addressing them? Yeah, um, it's interesting because I went from a, a solid blue state to a solid red state. Um, it's exactly the same kind of battlefront and messaging I'm using. Um, you know, you just really tweak it a little bit, and I'm always kind of fascinated that I can use the same argument for either side. Um, here in Idaho, we don't have quite as many problems as California does, but um, freedom is still on the forefront. So while we do have some things that are more free, like, like Second Amendment rights, other things are not. So we still have blue laws here, meaning I can only buy my alcohol from the government. And only during the hours in which they say. And uh, we also have a lot of, you know, um, religious-based moral, moral laws in the state. And so we do a lot to focus on how a certain legislation or 
a certain mandate or proposal, whatever it may be, you have to be careful because while you can put it in place to, to benefit your side or your argument, what you believe in, it's very easy for that same policy to be used against you. Right. So libertarians really try to come in and look at it as, well, how can we assist in this issue or, or address the problem with a policy that won't be abused, you know, should the pendulum of power swing to a different party? Sure. Interesting. Since your party chair, kindly explain the responsibilities that go with that. And you know, I remember you saying you do that in two different states. It sounds like you have a lot of experience in being a chair. So kindly explain the roles and responsibilities of a party chair. Yeah, uh, there's, there's different opinions out there on what the role really should focus on. And for me personally, I always see the chair's role as being the person who has to do the work in order for the activists to do the work. So a lot of my attention is, is on you know, making sure we have the infrastructure in place. So things like email and a website and a phone number and, you know, those basic things um, have to be functional and reliable. And then you have to take it a step beyond and make sure we have active connections with the media and the press, active connections with the Secretary of State and the Registrar of Voters, and um, are easily accessible to the public itself. So maybe that's going to events or maybe that's, you know, hosting dinners or if it's just simply running candidates. I'm not really the person that needs to speak for the party. That really comes from the members themselves and the voters, and we allow them to, in the, in the Libertary Party, we really encourage them to be the voice of the party. My job is to make sure their voice is amplified and heard. Interesting. That's a good way to put it. I never heard it put in such a way. <laughs> Some people like the power of it, but um, I'm, I'm here more to just do the dirty work. <laughs> good. That's a good way to be. So kindly explain your plans for 2022 for the party. Yeah. So for the um, first time in a long time, the party is really kicking off a, a statewide program, which is going to be one of our top five priorities for the year. And we've looked at, you know, different um, polls that we've done and looked at the issues that are being addressed and, the concerns of not just libertarians, but also Republicans and Democrats and the Constitution Party. Those are four major parties in Idaho. And the priorities that we're facing, I think the big one is Idaho is one of the few states that still has a grocery tax. It's, you know, only 6%, but that 6% really adds up to families that have to count every penny. You know, if we got rid of that 6%, that's it at least four extra gallons of milk for a family of four. Sure. And that can go a really long way. So Idaho is in a great position. We have a surplus. We're one of the few states that have come out of the last two years in a good economic standing. And we're right at the verge of our legislative asking, okay, now what do we do with those billions of dollars? And the first thing a lot of people are pushing is, you know, where do we spend it? Republicans want to spend it on these projects. Democrats want to spend it on those projects. But the libertarians are saying, maybe we shouldn't take that money to begin with. If we keep having a surplus, then that means we're taking too much. And 
you know, that's where things like corruption tend to fester when there's a surplus of money. So the easiest way that we can get the money back to people without any discrimination or without anyone having the power of picking a winner or a loser is just simply get rid of that grocery tax. It's going to be the way that impacts the the lowest level of people with the most um, positive and beneficial uh, gives back. And so we've been championing that one for the last year. And thankfully, both the Republican and Democrats have started to um, acknowledge that that's going to be the best way. They still think there's other things we could spend the money on. But that is our top priority. Um, in addition to that, we also want to start doing things to reduce the tax burden on the people while also supporting other freedoms. And one of the biggest complaints I hear in people who don't like the Libertarian Party is they, they think we want a light switch and we're going to just turn off taxes and take away all the safety nets and securities, and we must be crazy if we think it works that way. So we're focused on how can we remove taxes in, in a very secured and beneficial way for the people. And we found a great example out of, out of the eastern side of the country where you can remove the sales tax on fire safety devices. So things like a safe for your firearm. And it's a very simple tax that we can remove because we want to encourage people if you're going to have and practice your, your Second Amendment rights, you want to do it in a, in a safe and positive way. So why not encourage people to have a safe? Why not encourage people to have a proper and functioning holster if they're going to be carrying out in public? Or have that um, extra safety guard if you have children in your house? 6%, again, is not a lot, but it's enough to help make that difference. Of, well, now that's in the affordable range. Uh, and not only that, there's a lot of these companies actually come from Idaho itself. So you have like Alien Gear who do all the holsters and you have Rhino Safe. They're based right here in Idaho. So we would be supporting those local businesses and supporting safety and reducing taxes all at the same time and probably one of the simplest legislative acts we could do. Yeah, so it sounds like you've got a good plan. You're in a good position because you mentioned the surplus. People would often complain that if you want to do away with taxes, then you're going to not have to fund stuff. But in your situation, you've got a great argument ready to present. Yeah, and, and we're not trying to take away from, you know, the safety nets that people come to rely on. We just want to start to, to pull back that grasp on, on the economy that the state has and start returning those decisions back to the people. Sure, sounds good. So how can our audience support the Libertarian Party of Idaho, whether they live in Idaho or whether they live elsewhere? Yeah, um, first place you can do is visit us. Our website is easy enough. It's lpid.org. And you can find all the information you need there about what the party's doing, our events, and uh, different stances we're taking on the active legislative session right now. Um, but also, you know, we encourage you to register Libertarian. A lot of people like to say, well, I would be a Libertarian, but they're not going to win. The most important thing you do as a registered Libertarian is help us remain in a position of having ballot access. And that's in any state you're in. 
And having that ballot access is probably the most important thing because without it, you end up spending half your time as a party trying to get candidates on the ballot. This is why you don't see enough libertarians out there running for office and, you know, getting their big billboards and ads to every front door because all that money has to be spent on paying the fees that a third party has to pay and paying for the petitions and paying for the ads just to barely make it in. The Republican Democrats, they have these, you know, sweetheart deals that they made, you know, a hundred years ago almost. And it allows them this advantage where they don't have to worry about securing their ballot access and they don't have to worry about getting petitions for their candidates. They simply just decide and run and go with it. But that costs the party, you know, millions of dollars every year just to do that portion of it alone. Oh my. And so we encourage everyone, don't be afraid to register for that third party. Oh, I always encourage everyone to remember your vote in that ballot box is not a bet. You're not at the horse races and you get no reward for saying, I voted on the guy that wants. Your vote should best treat it as an endorsement because regardless of who wins that election, the, the ruling parties, no matter which one it is and whatever state you're in, they're going to look at that ballot results and be like, wow, look at all these people who voted for the Libertarian or the Green or whatever party it is, because those are the issues that matter. And that's going to help them focus those issues and focus their messaging on what the people want, as opposed to what the party thinks the people need in their little echo chambers. And so I encourage everyone, you know, vote your conscience. Don't be afraid to vote for the underdog and send that solid message to the parties out there that these are the matter uh, issues that matter. Well put. Let us continue to support the underdogs. <laughs> yes. Jennifer, thank you kindly for coming on the podcast today and sharing all the exciting things you've been doing with the Libertarian Party. Thank you so much, and I'm happy to support everything you guys have been doing. Awesome. Well, take care, and all the best to you and your party. Wonderful. Have a good day. Bye now.